This is my friend Rick Mann, and I'm so thankful for him. He's been a coach in my life for the, like the, about the last year or so, and um, he's the only person I know that thinks and works and moves faster than I do, which uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. I just think it's true. And so between the two of us, we can have 27 ideas before breakfast and 25 of them might be great, uh, but probably one will work. And so one of the things that Rick has been helping me to do, which is a blessing to you, is to slow down and be focused, to be strategic, and to make sure that I am leading in the very best way. And um, I really appreciate that about you. I appreciate that, the fact that you and Sherry are our people. Uh, you guys just like fit so seamlessly. You guys have the same heart as uh, at least Linda and I do. And I'm really thankful for that. So um, I am still trying to get on Pacific Daylight Time. It's amazing that I could put two sentences together. I spent the last two days sleeping because I don't know what time it is anymore. So that's one of the reasons why it's another blessing that you are speaking this morning. I will be back to speaking next week. For those of you who are panicking that I'll never speak again, it's okay. Everything will be fine. But really this week, it's such a blessing to have you, Rick. And Rick and Sherry live in Nashville when they're actually at home. They've been on a national parks tour and recently been to St. John's in the Caribbean. Yeah. So don't feel too bad for them that they've been traveling so much. But really glad you're here, and I know you're going to pick up where I left off. And yeah. so, Can you give that mic to Sherry? A hundred percent. Yeah, there you go. Such a delight, 60-year celebration here. I was looking at that logo up here, and I thought, just take the six down, put a one there, put a zero there. Think 40 years from now when we're celebrating 100 years at Neighborhood Church. And so, uh, so Sherry is my partner. We were in San Jose at a church yesterday, and we did an evaluation at the end of the workshop, and it often goes like this. Hey, Rick was fine, but could we have a little more Sherry? And so... <laughs> So I've, uh, I've invited her just to come and just to pray for, for our message this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we are so excited we get to be here, Lord. I woke up this morning at 4, and Rick said, what are you doing awake? I said, we get to go to Neighborhood Church today, and it's so fun. And so I just thank you for each person here Lord, I thank you that they were able to come this morning. Lord, there's so many distractions and things that press in on our time. But Lord, thank you that we can all come. And Lord, we are here, and we're here because we want to hear from you. And so, Father, I just pray you quiet everyone's heart right now. Help us to just put aside all the cares and worries and focus on you. We just delight in your presence. We thank you, Father, for the freedom we have in this country to gather in your name without fear. We love you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sherry. Some years ago, I was in California at some training getting ready to go to China, and a speaker there said some words I'll never forget. He says, never miss the opportunity to recount the record of God's faithfulness. So the 60th anniversary is a chance to recount that, so we counted it a privilege to kick this off with you today, and I'm going to talk a little bit today as to why you should have great hope and great confidence in the years that are coming ahead of you. So on the screen there, you'll see uh, Living Intention Lives. So about a little over a year ago, I was uh, spending uh, three weeks with the Lord. Sherry was in somewhere else, so I had some extra time with the Lord. And I said, Lord, I want to trust you for the 
best decade of my life. So that started January 1, 2023. So it's just February 2024. We're kind of on to that. So I was talking to Rob Douglas, your district superintendent, and he says, hey, Rick, could you help me? Uh, so I do uh, coaching and consulting with a number of Christian nonprofits. Could you help me develop a job description for a part-time leadership development person? So we worked on this for some weeks. And I did something I'd never do that you should never do as a consultant with a client. I said to Rob, I said, Rob, can I apply for this job? He says, Rick, you live in Nashville. This is California. I said, hey, COVID has redefined what it means to go to work. So what we do now is we come out. So one of the things that COVID has helped, I'm a full-time professor in Nashville at a Christian university called Trevecca. And so one of the things that we're able to do because of COVID is I teach more and more of my classes online. I teach some face-to-face classes, but a number of them online. So I'm teaching a class even now as we speak. So what Sherry and I do is we come out to California about 10 days a month. We have opportunities to be in churches like this. We were in San Jose yesterday. And then we were able to do the rest of this virtual. Well, probably the first church that we had, that I had a major engagement with was Neighborhood Church here in Chico. And so we began to talk. And I remember talking to Andrew and said, hey, what would you like to push ahead in this year? He said, I'd really like to move life groups forward and see if we could really expand those. I said, great. Tell me, direct me to your director of life groups. He says, we don't have one. So it's probably me. I said, Andrew, that's not a good idea. You have a lot of things going. So I said, Andrew, I said, let's begin to look at what it would mean to have an expanded life group ministry and let's begin to pray for who that director might be. So the months begin to go by and I have to, uh, Dave's sitting right here, is uh, Dave's, my, Dave's name did come up a little bit. So then when we were in here in the fall, we did a living intentional workshop for a whole day. How many of you were at that day? Okay, wow, a lot of hands there. And so that was a fun day. And at the end of that day, I said, hey, if you have a sense that you're open to an expanded ministry role, come forward. 14 people came forward. One of those was Al sitting right here. One of those was Dave sitting right there. And the other one was, uh, was Mark Burns. And there were several others. I just want to warn you that I'm going to give that invitation at the end of this service because I think there's others that the Lord is calling to some expanded ministry roles that we could explore and move ahead with you. So as things began to move along, uh, uh, Dave came forward that day and said, hey, I'm open to this. And now, wow, we began to have this um, emerging life group director. Al came forward to talk about uh, senior adult ministries. Mark was quite interested in outreach. And so this just began to form organically as as we saw saw God bring that together. Now you're going to see people up front like like Dave and like Al, but here's what we want to understand is if we're going to accomplish all that God wants to in this chapter, we need to mobilize everybody in intentional lives. So I'm going to go through a sermon. I wish I had till um, noon. I don't. Uh, the clock's clicking up on the screen. I wish we had all day to recount the record because we look at these 60 years of all that God has done across these leaders' uh, leaders' lives, and here we're talking about celebrating leadership. So I do a podcast on uh, marketplace issues. I teach MBA students, and I did a podcast the last month. It was called "So You Want to Double Your Organization." And I say, I get that a lot of people, people say to me, hey, Rick, could you help us double our organization, both in quality and quantity? I said, great. 
They said, what is it that we need first and foremost? I said, you need an expanded leadership. You don't grow things in a significant and effective way without an expanded leadership. So we have these uh, three pastoral interns in senior adult ministries, in life groups, and in uh, outreach. And so, but uh, I was talking to Andrew actually this week on the phone, and he talked about, hey, we're looking at three more interns in children's ministries, youth ministries, and worship. Worship, those, uh, those, uh, those three areas. That might be you today, and you might move into those roles even in 2024. Okay, eventually we do have to do the message, so let's see if this, this works. I've got that. That's a little bit about me up there. Um, I'm an unlikely leader. I was born in LA. I call myself a hellion. A hellion is a particularly troublesome, problematic person, uh, often a child. So that described me. Uh, when I was in first grade, they knocked on the door. The police asked my parents, did your son burn down the field across the street? I said, we don't know, but it sounds like him. And, and then let's fast forward a little bit. Arrested at gunpoint by the police when I was 17, became a Christian when I was 18, got married when I was 20, had our first child a year later when I was 21. That's a very poor pathway forward. So I'm a very unlikely leader myself, but if you look at that list, I, uh, let's see how much it has up on there. Yeah, so I, I work as, at a Christian college as a professor of leadership and strategy. Some of the alliance things, they said, Rick, you've done so many things. I said, no, I'm just old. And so you can, uh, you, can, uh, you can see some of the things that I'm doing there, as I mentioned, the leadership director here. Okay, so sometimes my students will ask me, they'll say, okay, Rick, uh, we understand what leadership is. We're not quite we're sure we understand what strategy is. So I said, okay, uh, most of you like a five. Uh, no, I like five, so here's two sets of five. But before I do that, we sang a song earlier about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, earth as it is in heaven. So I want you to get your hands out. We got five fingers for a reason, so you can remember this. And so, okay, first words, um, touch heaven, say it with me, touch heaven and change earth. Five words, touch heaven and change earth. That's really what we want to do when we talk about intentional living. We say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we want to be in touch with what God is doing in heaven, and then we want to connect that with what he is doing on earth. Okay, touch heaven, say it with me, and change earth. That's what we hope for each and every one of you today. But well, let's come back to the sermon here. I don't want to get too distracted, or we will be here till noon. So we talk about advancing what you care about is the first half of strategy. It's really clarifying your priorities. And the second is allocating your temp resources because we all have limited time, energy, money, and people. And so when we think about that, we have to ask ourselves, can we take the resources that we have? They may be limited. They may be extensive. And can we apply those to the areas that we care about? And some people say, okay, Rick, I can't remember all that. That's 10 words. That's not even five. And so I'll say, okay, let's just think of this as one word, intentional. That's the reason why we have the title for this message today. We want you to be intentional. So as you're sitting there today, I can see you do have some bright lights. Just lean in about two inches. 
Okay, I see that. Okay, you were four inches there. Okay, what we want to do is, uh, is we want you to lean in a little bit and have that sense of adventure and excitement. Okay, Lord, what do you have for us? What's next? Where are we going next? And if you're around Sherry and if she had a chance to speak a little bit like she did yesterday, she would say, listen, the life with the Lord is a great adventure. So let's lean in. Let's look out at all that he has for us that we can be intentional. So being intentional means that you are, makes you a different person at home and in marriage. So you might say, hey, Bob, um, I'm asking Sue. She said she'd like you to be more intentional on picking up your socks. She'd like you to be more intentional in saying thank you. She'd like you to be more intentional in eating with your mouth closed. So even small practical things can change our life and marriage. It can make you more purposeful at school and work. And it can help you even to be less busy. Because when you're more intentional, you're able to say no to this and yes to this. And so let's look at the, uh, let's look at the life of Jesus as he led an intentional life. So I'm actually going to take my glasses off the prints here. Actually, I think I'll just look here. This is even a little bit easier. You can see it there on the screen. But let's look at what Jesus did in these five verses. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. compassion. What do you do when you see the crowds? When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. The New American Standard says distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Let's pause for a moment. Could we say that about our world today? Could we say when we look at our world around us, we see people who are helpless and harassed, distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd? Jesus' response was compassion. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I used to set my watch for 938, but I had some friends of mine who set it for 102 because Matthew 938 and Luke 102 say the exact same thing. There's no problem with the harvest. The problem is what? The workers are few. How many times in the scriptures does Jesus say, pray this way? When I preached a sermon here last time, I preached through the Lord's Prayer. So that's an indicator of maybe how Jesus wanted us to pray. There are, not, there are less than five. Uh, ask, seek, knock might be another one. But there's probably less than five times in the scriptures when Jesus says, pray this way. And this is one of them. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. No problem with the harvest. The problem is with workers. So as I look across this sanctuary today, my hope is to mobilize every one of you into the work of the harvest, that you might be workers in his harvest field, leaning in, being intentional in your lives and leadership as you look at that. Jesus called the 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. What Jesus did, he gave them to do. What Jesus did, he gives us to do. Now we say Jesus is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. So 60 years ago, they had a heart and vision for this city. It's the same today. It'll be the same tomorrow. It'll be the same until Jesus comes. And that is that everyone in this city would find new life in Christ, find freedom in Christ, and you are the ones. Andrew knows a lot of people. Linda knows a lot of people. You all know people that they will never meet. So we can, if we can mobilize you to touch the people in this city then we can accomplish the advance of the Great Commission. So my question today is, who is the Lord showing you? When he saw the crowds, he wasn't irritated. When he saw the crowds harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And the question is, is who is God showing you? Who is going, God showing you? The neighbor on the right, the neighbor on the left, the co-workers whose cubicles across away from you. Uh, someone that you meet at a restaurant. Who is the Lord showing you that you could touch and bless today? Well, as we drove across uh, California, we drove yesterday. What did it do yesterday? It rained like crazy. We were not sure if we can major. We came out of San Jose. We kind of came around the East Bay area and Sherry was driving and we both look up and on the side of the road, there's a car with its lights pointing towards us. We thought, that probably isn't a good sign. So it was a little scary coming here yesterday. I noticed the hills were pretty green, but in the summer, you'll see these golden hills across uh, central California as you come up this way. And so, uh, and sometimes you'll see some sheep. Just the other day, we were driving through California. I said, sure, look at those, about 200 sheep there. But let me ask you this, and, and uh, I think we can do this. Uh, is that Denise on the video board there? Yes, okay. So we're going to go back in a minute, so be ready because this, this uh, iPad won't go back. So look at this picture and then look at that picture. Now go back, Denise, to the previous slide and then uh, go to the next slide. What's the difference between those two pictures? There's a shepherd in the second picture. So here's what we would have. We'd say to yourself, I'm not going to call you pastors, although I like the verb pastor, but I might call you shepherds. I was at a Chinese church and I said, hey, could this group of people pastor this group of people? He said, Rick, that's not a good word to use because they don't see themselves as pastors. Use the word shepherd. I said, well, that's a biblical word. That comes from Matthew 9. And so we'll use the word shepherd. So as we think about our world, I ask this question once again. What is the Lord showing you? Is he showing you people out there like sheep without a shepherd? And what's the answer to that? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So the question would be, what's the answer to that question? Well, let's talk a little bit more about our world. This says loneliness in America. This is a Harvard report. It says how the pandemic has deepened an epidemic of loneliness and what we can do about it. Now, I showed this same quotation last fall when I was here doing this workshop. But what I had not read yet read is this report by the U.S. Surgeon General who said, our epidemic of loneliness and isolation, the U.S. Surgeon General's advisory on the healing effects of social connection and community. This is a very striking report as they talk about this. Now, in this report, it says, before COVID in 2020, what was the loneliest year ever in recent American times? It was 2019. So we've been on a path of loneliness well before COVID. COVID just made it worse. 
And so when we look at the world around us, we live in a lonely world. More than half the people in our country report being lonely and isolated. I wish I had time to go over this whole report with you. It's a very striking and interesting in this U.S. Surgeon Report. He tells, he takes several paragraphs and tells about how lonely he has been in his life as a Surgeon General. He says, you know, I see people every day. Uh, people know my name. I'm famous. He's the number one doctor in America, he says, but I've experienced significant loneliness in my life. You might be sitting here today feeling lonely and unseen. And what we want to do is we want to care for the people in this church and the people in this community as good shepherds. I like this picture that comes up next year. This is an older couple. And this comes from the, another Harvard report. It's called the Happiness Study. So 85 years ago in Harvard, they took 1,000 Harvard students and 1,000 people from Boston, and they've now been studying them for 85 years. The number one finding to says this is, you know what the key to life and happiness is? It's the quality of our relationships. So just think for a moment is we have the U.S. Surgeon General saying is we're dealing with an epidemic of loneliness. This is this side. Over here, the Harvard Happiness says the number one issue in life in happiness is the quality of relationship. Do you see the disconnect there? You see two, these are not, these are not Christian studies. These are secular studies that say, listen, that the most important thing in life are relationships. And the number one lack that we have in America are relationships. How are we going to solve this? Now, the Harvard study says something that I'm not sure we can have confidence in. And they said, the government should do more. I said, I'm not sure the government is our solution to solving loneliness. But you know what I have confidence in? Is we unleash the church. We can address, we can care because our Savior cared. And he called us to care for the people around him. And so I have confidence that we can do this. And so as we go back to these verses of Jesus living an intentional life, remember, it starts off in verse uh, 36 here of what Jesus did. We go down through that passage and then he commissions the 12. And so we're here to say, we can, are going to commission you today to be those shepherds in an unshepherded world. And so we have this quotation, Lausanne Conference is happening this year in Seoul, Korea. This is an annual, no, excuse me, this is an every four-year conference that talks about evangelism. And Michael O oh is the CEO, and he says this, he says, 1% of the global church are in professional ministry. These are the pastors, if you will. The other 99% are greatly neglected. Now we have Andrew here, we have Al here, we have Dave here, we have others who are doing this. But the, bad, the, the 97%, the 98%, the 99%, of the rest of us are just everyday folks who can be mobilized to this. But it says in this quote, he says that we've often neglected. We said, hey, it's the folks on the stage that matter and it's us in the pew that don't. Those days are gone. That was never the, the insight that Jesus had. So we're at a different place. So let's just review once again. Jesus came. He modeled ministry for the 12. He cared for people. He commissioned the 12. And then he asked for even more workers in the harvest field. The question I have for you today is, could you be one of those people? Could you be one of those people? 
You're the answer to that prayer. I said, ask the Lord to show you the world as he sees it. So when you go into a setting, do you see the people around you? Now, you probably heard me say, certainly in that workshop, that Sherry and I eat out all the time. Uh, we eat out for lunch. We usually skip breakfast. We eat out for dinner. So wherever we go, we ask ourselves as we enter that restaurant, we say, hey, Lord, could you help us to be your hands and feet in this place. So let me just give you an example from Sacramento that happened last month. So we go into a restaurant, we sit down there, and I ask uh, what the person's name is, because names matter. And she says, my name's Alethea. And we say, great. Hey, we're going to pray for our food today. We wondered how we could pray for you. You don't want to stop there because you'll get this stunned look in their face. But what you say is, hey, we're going to pray for our food today. We wondered how we could pray for you. Health, family, uh, work, uh, finances, uh, whatever, you know, four or five things that you can think of. When you say those four or five things, they'll usually pick on something. And Alethea said, can you pray for me? I'm a single mom. I have two young children and I'm really concerned about them. I really care for them. So we pray for her. She comes back and forth. About halfway through the dinner, about 20, 25 minutes in, she says, um, can I sit down here and ask you a few questions? And we said, sure, is the manager concerned? She says, no, he'll be fine. So she comes over and sits down with us, and she says to us, how have you guys stayed married this long? What's your advice? She says, I'm married and divorced. I want to get married again. What would you say are the keys to staying married for some, for some time? I said, have a very patient wife. Like, uh, like Sherry. Anyway, so, uh, so that happened. So we, uh, we uh, prayed for her that day. We talked with her that day. So then this month comes. We're back in Sacramento because the district office is there. And we said, hey, we're going to go out to dinner. Let's go back to the same restaurant. And uh, I said, uh, we were going to go on what day, Sherry? And why didn't we go? So Sherry said to me, uh, I said, hey, let's go to that restaurant. She says, Rick, it's Sunday. Alicia doesn't work on Sunday. So I said, okay. So we went a day or so later. We go in. It's a pretty big restaurant. We look around, and there she was, and we sat in Alethea's section. So we sat down, and, and we had the conversation with her throughout the dinner, and it reminded me of a conversation we had some months ago. We were in a restaurant, and Trey was there. So Trey came up, and we said, same thing. Hey, Trey, we're, we're going to pray for our food. When it comes to day, we wonder how we could pray for you. Family, finances, work, health, whatever that might be. He said, pray for my son. He, as soon as we asked that question, he started crying. Now, he was not some, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, unput-together guy. 40-year-old guy, pretty well put together. He just started crying. He immediately started apologizing, and he immediately continued just to cry. He says, I really feel bad. And he says, but um, he says, nobody ever asked me how I'm doing. So when you ask that, it caught me off guard. And he says, hey, can you pray for my son? So we're kind of going back and forth. And I said, Trey, do you have a home church? He says, no. I said, so we're the only pastors you got. So he says, what do you mean? I said, is anybody else pastoring? He said, well, I'm not sure he totally knew what that meant, but he says, no. I said, okay, we'll, we'll be your pastors then. We'll be your part-time uh, pastors, if you will. Because what happens is, is that there's nobody else in his life who cares. There's not other people asking him how he's doing. So we do that. And so when you live in the advantage is, is that you go back to the same restaurants, you live in the same city, you can continue to move along in that process. So we're going to talk about something that I explained uh, in that uh, fall workshop. 
and that is living intentionally, blessing more people more. Lord, help us. We pray this almost every morning. Lord, today we want to bless more people more. We're staying in an Airbnb. We do that on purpose, and we've, uh, we actually went back to the same Airbnb that we were at, that we were, this time that we were at last fall, to connect with people. They don't have a pastor, and so we can be that caring voice. So when we think about the blessing the more uh, people around us, a simple way to do this is to care and to pray and to reach out. So how many of you are trained in medical CPR? Okay, a lot of hands here. So I'm in good hands. Look at this. We have like five people right here. And so if I pass out right here, this whole row is going to come up and start, and start, uh, start, I'm very safe here and those kind of things. CPR was developed in the 60s to equip lay people to save lives when doctors are not around. Well, think of uh, CPR according to Jesus is you're out there and you're able to bring life to people when pastors are not around. So I was talking to a men's group and I said, hey, do you think this men's group could pastor this men's group? And they said, I think we understand, but we don't like the word pastor. I said, okay, let me make it simple. Could you care for the people in this group? Yes. Could you pray for the people in this group? Yes. Could you reach out to the people each month to the people in this group? Yes. I said, okay, let's just call it CPR. That's when CPR was born some time ago. And it has really taken off in this district because we go around. A 16-year-old girl said to her pastor in Sacramento, Pastor Mike, I'm so excited I can do this. He said, okay, why are you so excited? She says, because I'm an introvert. I can do this. I don't even have to talk to people. Because you can care and you can pray and you can reach out to people. You don't even have to talk with them. So how many of you are introverts? Okay, look at this. About half of you as you had this. Uh, yesterday, we, we were reading the evaluations last night at dinner. And I read through them. They said, Rick, I'm so excited about e- 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 CPR because this is something introverts can do. Because I'm not going to go to the restaurant and say, hey, how can we pray for you? Blah, 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 blah. I'm just not going to do that. I'm an introvert. But what you can do is you can care. You can pray for people's scriptural prayers without even talking to them, without even seeing that. You can say, Lord, we pray that the eyes of their heart might be open, that they might see the light of the gospel. That's a scriptural prayer that you can pray. You don't even have to say it. So CPR is something that's very easy. It's very doable. It's something that everyone can do. Let's, let's highlight this a little bit more. We start off with learning their names. So just work with me. Some of you might go out to lunch today or next week. When you go in and the server comes up, what's the first thing you do? You ask their name. And so when you, you ask this name, and uh, I, I'll, I'll, t- I'll just call him Roberto. So we were down in San Jose last month, and we went out to eat with this folks. And it was a very striking conversation. We were with somebody, and the lady really knows. She said, do you notice how transparent he got so fast? So I'll call him Roberto. Roberto came up, and I said, hey, Roberto, how can we pray for you? We're going to play this. He said, uh, pray for my finances for school. And we said, okay, that seems like a reasonable request. Then he came back a little bit later. He kind of leans in and says softly, he says, can you pray something else for me? I said, what's that? He says, I don't have a social security card because he's undocumented. So why would he, I could have been an immigration person. Why did he say that? Because we took time to know his name and he sensed that we care. So the first thing we do as far as caring is we know some person's name. So we always go up and say, what's your name? 
And that's the starting point of a new relationship. When you ask people their name, it gives them the sense that you care. Then you can ask them how you can pray for them, or you can just pray for them. If you're extroverted, you can use words. If you're introverted, you can just talk to the Lord on their behalf. You start off, you care, you pray, and then you begin to reach out. So reaching out could be just to say, so if I say, let's just say you go out there, and I shouldn't step off that, but I do like leaning in. Um, I'm okay. So anyway, when you go out and you're taking the garbage out and your neighbor's there, you say, hey, how's your mom doing? She was here last week. She's not doing very well. She's going in for surgery. Hey, you know what? Uh, Sue and I will pray for you concerning your mom. Okay, thanks. You go back in the house. Nothing happens. You come out two or three weeks later and you bump into the person. What do you say? How the surgery go? How's your mom doing? This is reaching out. This is touching base with people on an ongoing basis so that you're in essentially informally, I'm going to use that P word, you're informally pastoring for them. You're caring for them. You're praying for them. You're reaching out to them intentionally with an ongoing basis. That's really what we want to commission all of you to do. If all of you did CPR with a few folks in the church, everybody would be cared for. If all of you did CPR with a few folks in the community, these would be hundreds of people that you would be touching that otherwise would just walk through their lonely lives. They did a study in Chicago, and they did a map of all the neighborhoods of... Um, of uh, let me see if I can get my facts here. First, they did, a na- they did a study of all the people who died during uh, a high heat in Chicago. Then they did another map of all the people they surveyed who reported high levels of loneliness. You know what it was? It was the same map. Because here's what happens is, and this is what the Surgeon General's report says, it says that, that so many bad things follow loneliness. People die younger, they die of, uh, of uh, all kinds of health ail- ailments, and they die of, uh, of heat stroke in Chicago in the summer when it gets so hot. And, and, and in the U.S. Surgeon General's report, or let me, let me just get it more accurate, in the Harvard Happiness study, they said at 50 years old, we can take a cholesterol test and we can do a quality of relationship test. The quality of relationship test is a better indicator of when, how old they're going to live. It's not the physical test. The Surgeon General says all kinds of health indicators are related to people's sense of loneliness. So when you go out and you say, I want to know your name, I want to pray for you, I want to reach out to you each month, it can make, you may be the only friend a person has as you look at that. Okay, well, speaking of a CPR friend, let me, uh, this book is called The Shot Caller. It's about Casey Diaz. And in this story, I read this book. Casey was a, in LA, he was a gang member. And then when he would, he, they called him the shot caller because he would decide who lived and died. He didn't kill the people personally. He just told his gang members who would die and who would live. He was arrested. He was put into solitary confinement in Folsom Prison, which I didn't realize is outside Sacramento. And so, um, so he's in there for, for some years in solitary confinement. Uh, Francis Proctor at a black church in Los Angeles gets, on, gets in a bunch of cars. They drive six hours up to Folsom Prison 
to pray for people in this prison. So, uh, so Francis walks down this hall. That, let's say there's six or eight cells in this. And she says, can I pray for the people in the hall? The warden says, yes, you have three to four minutes each month. You can go. So she drives six hours, prays for three or four minutes down this hall, drives back. So she goes down to the end. It's a little bit around the corner. She asks the guard, is there somebody in this cell? Yeah, Casey Diaz is in that cell. You want to have nothing to do with him. He's a bad guy. She says, no, I do. So she goes up to Casey's cell and she says, Casey, can I pray for you? She says, yeah, but it won't make any difference. I don't know if it was just her gumption or if it was her prophetic word. She says, no, I'm going to pray for you and the Lord's going to use your life. He's like, whatever. So he, she comes every month, three or four minutes and prays for him. 13 months into, his, uh, into her doing this, he sees a vis- she sees a vision of Jesus on the wall. He said it was actually almost like a television set. And Jesus called out to him and says, Darwin, I want you to follow me. No one knew his name was Darwin. That's on his birth certificate, but that's not what people called him. They called him Casey. So Jesus called him by his given name. Uh, by himself in that cell, he gave his life to Christ. A, a, a year or so goes by, they put him in the general pr- uh, prison population. What did he do? He led a bunch of people to Christ. Another year or two goes by, they let him out early, and he gets a few dollars from the prison, and where does he do? He buys a bus ticket to Los Angeles. He doesn't know where she lives, but he knows what church she goes to, because they had some folks who came up each month. So he goes out, it's a black church, much smaller than this, it's really crowded, and he comes in the back. Just imagine a Mexican, uh, Hispanic, uh, rather, uh, a gang member comes in the back, has the tattoos, the hair, the whole look, and he says, I'm looking for Francis. They were a little nervous. Francis is up on the right here. It's a full pew. He comes down there. He sits down with us. Now there's quite a bit of commotion. The pastor says, can you come up and tell the story? So Francis comes up. Uh, Casey comes up, and she tells the CPR story. Three or four minutes a month. She went down that uh, hallway and prayed for Casey. Jesus met him in a vision there, and today he's a pastor in California, in, in the LA area. So you never know. I just want to close with this story, and then I'm going to ask, uh, ask some of you if you uh, feel the calling today. So you know that I'm Rick Mann. On my birth certificate, it says Richard Mann. And so uh, I grew up, my parents were divorced when I was young. I, I was born in LA, uh, spent a few years in Oregon, moved back to LA, had very little contact with my father. He drank too much. He got married and divorced too much. And so we didn't have much contact. In 2018, I get a Christmas card. And in the Christmas card, there's another card that says, Richard, so glad to see your new faith in Christ, praying that this year that you will continue to grow in the Lord. Signed, Gail Getman. So I get this card and I'm like, uh, so I call up my father says, what's going on? He said, well, I had a friend who needed some uh, repairs done at her house. So I used to go over that. And her grandson used to come over sometimes when I was there. And he would talk to her about, about uh, following Jesus. She never did. She died. But my father, atheist his whole life, gave his life to Christ at 86. You know why? Because somebody cared. Somebody prayed. Somebody reached out each month. And so it was so much fun. Let me just tell you an interesting sidelight. When I teach an MBA class and we talk about leadership, I'll say how important it is to care for those under your care. I said, I had a father for over 50 years. I had a stepfather for over 50 years. I said, you know how many times I heard, I love you from these two men? Never once, zero. 
And you know, hey, I'm, I'm a sturdy guy. I kind of work through it. It's not the end of the world. You got to deal with the hand that you've been down. So anyway, I'm talking to my father one day after he becomes a Christian. I said, hey, dad, really good talking to you. Hope to catch, out with you, catch up with you in a couple more weeks. He said, yeah, Rick, good to talk to you. I love you. Nobody ever told him to say that. I never talked with him about it. It never came up. But Jesus changes people from the inside out. When we care for them and Jesus touches their life, we're able to see them change from the inside out. So my question for you today is, are you open today uh, to all that God has for you to bless more people more? So you might do some restaurant CPR. You might do some CPR with some neighbors in your, in your area or at work or these kind of things. And so that's what we want to do. We want to commission all of you. And Pastor Andrew and I are going to pray for you in just a few minutes. And we want to do that. But uh, because you're open to care and pray and reach out. Okay. Raise your hand if you don't think you can do that. Wow. This is a pretty committed group, Andrew. <laughs> Okay, they are ready. Anyway, I know I put you on the spot there a little bit, but you can do that. But also want to say for, for some of you, you're open to an expanded ministry role. So just to give a little bit of clarity, um, Mark and Andrew and Dave said, hey, I'm available 10 hours a week or 40 hours a month because their schedule is a little bit flexible and they're going to be enrolled in some online classes. And so we're, we've commissioned them today as pastoral interns. You know what? There's more room and more space for that. And so let's stand together as we close. And uh, I'm going to invite Andrew to, to come up here. And so as you come up here today, what we're going to do is we're going to pray for all of you. We're going to pray for all of you that you would have that sense of being commissioned by the Lord to live intentional lives. But also as we're praying is, is some of you are saying, Rick, I am open to an expanded ministry role like Al, like Dave, like Mark. And if that's true for you, I want you to just walk up for the front because we're going to, we're going to be praying for you this morning as well. So Pastor, why don't we just begin by just commissioning everybody? So uh, if you want to put your hands out like this and just to symbolize you're willing to receive. Lord, I pray and commission this body of Christ meeting here and also watching on the stream that we would, first of all, have your eyes to see others, that yes, you would have your heart to have compassion when we see the crowds and not be irritated and frustrated and upset and try to avoid. But Lord, we would have a change of heart. So give us eyes, give us a change of heart. And then Lord, would you just uh, quicken our ears that we might be able to hear the, your voice as you're, you're speaking, you're, you're whispering things to us about how we could lean in. And lastly, Lord, I pray for a gift of courage and a yes, strong Lord. heart that we would not be ashamed of the gospel or of who you are and what you've done in our lives. Lord, that we recognize it's, we lift you up, Jesus, and you draw all men to yourself. And so, uh, help us to carry your light yoke uh, in this. And so I commission this body right now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Give us the gifts that we need and um, continue to open our eyes, strengthen our hearts, and give us uh, the strength and the boldness uh, to be able to walk this out so that we can be Jesus to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, remain standing there. I'm going to ask Al to come up. I'm going to ask Dave to come up here. So who among you are saying, come on up to the front. Don't be shy. 
uh, and, uh, and join with us who said, I am open to an expanded ministry role in the future. So uh, come on up here. I, know, I think there's some, some folks here. And so we've got, uh, we've got, uh, we got some folks here. Great. Great. Okay. Uh, keep going. We've got some more uh, folks here. Come on up here. And now let me, as you come forward, to, let me just say, say, May 10th and May 11th, we're doing a, do, would they know where Alliance Redwoods are? are? Uh, some would, most okay. wouldn't. Alliance Redwood is an Alliance camp, and it's about an hour north of the, of the Golden Gate Bridge. So on May 10th on Friday till May 11th on Saturday, we're going to have an, it's called the Open 2024 Conference. This church is going to bring some people to that. And these are people who say, hey, I'm open. I'm not quite sure what that looks like, but I want to explore what, what, that could be, what that could be about. And so we'll be in touch with you on that. It's exciting to see a number of you. Uh, Sherry, I'm going to actually ask you, where's Sherry? Uh, because we want to, we want to kind of get some names and faces. Can can you just kind of go down here and take a picture of everybody? She's on it. Oh, Cindy's up in the mezzanine up there, Rick. Right there. Oh, I see. She's, She's sneaky Cindy, like that. Cindy, I came today and I said, Cindy, I don't That's have my slides manager. in the right format. And she said, Rick, I'll fix it. So it's like 15 till. It's like 10 till. It's like five till. I said, Cindy, I'm freaking out. She said, Rick, we're good. I we, we're always it. good. That's what Cindy is, uh, is so good right. for. So we want to kind of, because here's what we want to do is some of you are saying, this, I did this last Saturday in a church and the guy comes, he says, this is not like me. I don't normally do stuff like this. I normally think about it for a hundred years and then I make a decision, maybe never. So I've got all of you up here. So our goal here is to say, we're not here to tell you what your life's going to look like. We're just here to say, hey, we're going to walk with you in this journey and say, how is it that God is calling you to some expanded ministry role? And what that, for some of you might be a part-time basis like, um, like Al and like Dave. And uh, Al and Dave, I want you guys to just come up here. We're going to give you the mic. And you know what? Uh, this is a little hokey, I know, but some of these people want to be like you when they grow up. And so I'm going to ask, uh, uh, Dave, can you pray for these folks that are here? And I'm going to ask Al to pray and then, and then, uh, and then Andrew will close. Go ahead. Lord, uh, just give you the glory and the honor, Lord. And um, I just uh, pray for each one that's up here. Please bless them. I thank you for their courage to step forward. And uh, Lord, I, I'm, I'm looking here and I see so much um, uh, experience and knowledge and love for you, Lord. So bless this group. Bless each individual, Lord and uh, lead them and guide them into, you have a calling on their lives, Lord. So open their eyes, give them ears to hear and understanding of, of what you're calling them to do, Lord. It might be something they're totally unexpecting, Lord, but um, just do a works in their life. And uh, I just, again, thank you for their courage. And I just pray for um, continued strength. I pray for protection over them. And uh, I'm just excited of what you're going to do through these individuals and the impact that they're going to have on our, on our church and our community and this world, Lord. Thank you. Yeah, Father, I thank you for all these that have stepped forward. Father, we just ask for a quickening of the Holy Spirit upon their lives, that when they read scriptures, they would just find those nuggets of truth that happen in scripture, and they would just stand and grab a hold of those and hold on to those boldly. 
that they would not be afraid to share the gospel with anybody in our city, that we would see a great revival happen in our city and in other churches around our city. So Father, we just declare just an anointing upon all of these, upon our whole congregation, that we would be step into that role as that we are priests who bring the gospel, who bring the presence of the living God into people's lives, that we would step boldly into that place with the kingdom of God. Amen. So, Lord, I pray for these who came forward and even those who didn't, who thought about it. I pray, Lord, uh, for um, risk-taking and boldness to step out and uh, try new things and to grow in new ways and to step into what you've called them to. So I bless these in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, Andrew's going to dismiss you. I just want to remember, I remember Sherry and I were sitting over here. We were about 22 years old. And uh, somebody stood up here and said, hey, an opportunity for Christian teaching. Anybody want to go? We'll go. And Christian our parents teaching. were like, what in the world were you thinking? We weren't. We weren't thinking. We just sent the problem. So who knows? I mean, we've got some, uh, some younger folks here. If you're 17, you can answer that call. If you're seven, you can answer that call. In all those years uh, beyond and, and beyond. It is such a privilege. Well, let me just say one more time. To be here on this 60th anniversary and a celebration. And think about it, going from 60 to 100, it's going to take all of us to move this forward. And so we count this and I just want to say thank you for letting us be here. So you cool. can dismiss this thing. Cool. So here's the deal. If you came forward and you're like, I have no idea what this means. We're going to walk with you and uh, you can think about this conference that's coming up. It's just, I think the registration is just open for it. So yeah, it I is, still don't uh, know, even know all the details myself, but I am looking forward to going. I know, uh, I think the guys are going to go with me as well. Um, but um, some of you are future small group leaders. Some of you are people who will disciple others. Some of you are people who will begin to transform your neighborhood because you have a vision for loving your neighbors. Some of you are going to walk into business and you're going to bring your faith into work and it's going to make a huge difference, right? This is not everybody's got to be Al and Dave, although they're pretty awesome. <laughs> but this is about expanding our influence because there's no problem with the harvest. We need more workers, okay? Amen. So may God bless you today. May you be inspired and excited. And may you move into this week with renewed passion. And I want to challenge all of you. Will you have a CPR moment this week? Will you have a CPR moment this week? That's what I'm asking for you to do. Praise God from, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. We'll see you next week.